This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson and with me as usual are Jim Spence and Ian Roach. And for the first part of this week's podcast, we're joined by Graham Strachan. How Graham has written a book in the past about that glorious and not so glorious era at Dundee Football Club when the likes of Claudio Canizia and Fabrizio Ravanelli came to town. And now he's helped put together a Canizia documentary, no less, that is now out on the Courier website. Welcome, Graham. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, I've seen the I've seen the feature length documentary, and very good, very good it is too. It's got a nice sort of uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels vibe to it. I kept I kept expecting uh, to see <laughs> Danny Dyer or the ghost of Ron Dixon walking around the corner, but no, it's very very slickly produced, and uh, you don't have to give away all the plot lines. But I'm guessing. Uh, Claudio Canidia fe- features quite heavily. Yeah, we've spoken to um, some of his former teammates, uh, those at boardroom level, um, journalists who knew him, and also the fans as well, just to kind of paint a picture of the man behind the myth um, and some great revelations in the documentary, some really, really good stories and a real insight into just what it was like for these Dundee players to have this world superstar amongst their midst. And obviously, you, you like as I mentioned there, you... You wrote a book on that sort of mm-hmm. era as a whole, but why is it? I might be stating the obvious, but why? Well, it's not probably actually it's not stating the obvious because there was there were some real. I mean, I mentioned him Ravenelli. There mm-hmm. was some other really really big name stars. Why is it that Canizia uh, is the one that's kind of survived as the myth, like you say? He's endured the test of time, hasn't he? Even though he he was here for less than a season. Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, you know an Indian summer that uh, the Dundee fans still talk about to this day and I mean I think the fact that we're still talking about Canidia's time at Dundee 20 years on shows just what an impact he did have in such a short um, period of time but I think it was his standing in the game I mean Dundee is just you know you're absolutely right I mean Ivano Bonetti at the time was masterminding this colourful overhaul of the playing squad but you know Canidia was was box office Keith Canidia was the guy that you know our generation had grown up with watching um, at the Italia 90 uh, World Cup. You know, he was Diego Maradona's best mate. He was one half of the world's greatest strike partnership at that time alongside Maradona. And I think, you know, it just raised it to a completely different level. And as the guys uh, say in the documentary, you know, this really was a superstar. There were in absolutely no doubt that, uh, you know, this guy was the, the real deal. Ian, of course, you were uh, you were working for uh, for ourselves back back then, but I mean, by that point, you were you were already getting used to sort of some uh, let me say, not the typical Dundee signings. That you know the, the the profile of the club had been lifted. That would be fair to say. But when Canizia came along, first of all, was it a sort of was it one of those signings that came out the blue, or was there had the jungle drums been beaten that this could be this one could be possible? Well, I think I think this was the signing that had the uh, stardust. This was the one where the world started paying attention to uh, what was going on at, at Dundee. He had such a a huge profile. Um, anyone of kind of you know my vintage, Claudio Canigia, you 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 clocked him immediately at the 
at the uh, World Cup in 1990. He's heroics, particularly the long running foul on him. Um, oh, Cameroon! Who, uh, great, great, yeah, the Cameroon <laughs> game where he took about five minutes, you know, for them to actually hack him down. But he, he scored the winner against Brazil. Now, anybody that does that for Argentina <laughs> is a is an absolute legend forever uh, in that part of the world, and also world famous. So it was it was an incredible name for to to be coming to our city, um, and uh, amazing times. There had been, you're right, there had been uh, Caballero, and uh, a few other names were there as well. So so under the Benetti era, you were getting you were getting signings that you wouldn't normally expect, but this was. Bang! You know, this was an explosion yeah. for Kaneja to be there. I mean, Jim. I mean, obviously, we all know it was the it was the Benetti connection, wasn't mm. it? I think it was. Yeah. It was Dario more than yeah. I think Dario, Dario. Was, his, was his pal from I think their, their days in, in Roma, mm-hmm. wasn't it? But uh, were you expecting? I'm not going to say a washed up, but you were you expecting a sort of George Best at Hibs type scenario? What was what was <laughs> your what was your thoughts <laughs> when Kaneja arrived? <clears throat> That's actually a very good way to put it, Eric, because um, he hadn't played for a number of months before he turned up. He was 33. Now, you know, for, for a guy who has um, looked after himself impeccably and lived the life of a, a Roman gladiator, a sportsman, that might not have been an issue. But, you know, his, his kind of his lifestyle went before him. I mean, he did enjoy the, the high life. Um so, you know, two things. One, when he turned up, it was a shock. I mean, I don't think anyone expected to see a player of that talent um, turning up at Dundee Football Club, despite, you know, some of the signings that had been made because he had an incredible playing pedigree, as Ian's just outlined there. Um, but it very quickly became apparent, because I was at his debut at Pitodri, it very quickly became apparent that this was a guy who was absolutely... Um, it, 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 I, I hesitate to say in the peak of condition, but he was in very, very good condition physically and he still had an enormous appetite for the game, uh, an enormous work rate, but most importantly, his skill level had not diminished, you know, with the years. I mean, he still had, for Scottish football, he still had an incredible skill base. So it, it was, it was you know, it was fantastic to see him. And although he played, I think it was 25 games or something, uh, he, he played for Dundee. It was a short spell, but it was incredible. I mean, the ones I saw, he was he was electric in, all, in almost all of them. And touching on that best thing, going back to Hibs, I mean, I saw best a few times for Hibs when he was clearly a done a done man but in most of those games he did one or two things which no other player on the park was remotely capable of doing and that was what the situation was with Kinesia he had a skill level which was still quite fantastic uh, Graham I know I mean we mentioned the Benetti connection that that was that was where it all was sort of born but still I mean people don't come over just because they're they're pals there type thing I mean this is a guy that who had designs on getting back in the Argentina team, who, who who wasn't there for one last paycheck? Why Dundee, though? I mean, because there needed to be more. There needed to be more than just just an old pals act here. I mean, he would have had other options, presumably. Yeah, I think that his um, long term plan, uh, as Ian mentioned and, and Jim had mentioned, you know, he'd been out of the game for a for a few months. Um, I think he was looking to the MLS in March, but. Uh, Avano and Dario had obviously convinced them to come over and help a friend, but he'd obviously done his homework on it, looked at Scottish football. Um, I think it was also probably for him a place that he could, you know, escape from perhaps the radar that he would have been under in places like Italy where he'd uh, played in the past. And I think he 
would have enjoyed the project and looked at the project that the Benetti brothers were putting together. Um, a lot of good players. I think the fact that Beto Carranza was there as well, who was obviously an Argentinian international at the time as well. Um, he would have seen the players that uh, they were assembling at Dundee and wanted to be part of that project. I mean, Ian, Ian just from, sorry, from the games you covered, which uh, which memories stand out for you? Were you um, that he scored in he scored at Tannerice, of course. Yeah. He scored at Ibrox. Both wins. I mean, these these are games that put put yourself into uh, into club folklore, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, he, uh, it would be the derby um, because because what what fans remember are these special games, and and Dundee fans at that time they're thinking. You know, this is this is this is switching in our favour now. You know, this is this is Dundee on the rise here, and what better way to do that than to uh, go into a game against United and have their superstar scoring a goal? So, uh, yeah, it would have been that one. Um, he uh, he was so quick, and also I, I think his his physique. I think he had a habit of taking his shirt off. You know, after the end of the game, and, <laughs> and, and you could see he was like a boxer. You know, he's like a He's like a, a boxer with his physique and his build. So this thing about him being, you know, he, he, towards the end of his career, maybe he was, but he was still fit, still quick. And I think his teammates will tell you that uh, in training, he was every bit as, uh, as as into the training and into the workouts as any other player. Jim, did he get did he get put up for interviews? I I, I can't. I remember speaking to him, but I can't remember in, interviewing him because uh, his, his English wasn't great. It improved, I think, over the years, but it, it, it wasn't fantastic. I, I don't think I um, ever interviewed anyone who knows me. You know, my career with BBC Scotland knows some of the, the dodgy interviews I had with people whose <laughs> whose um, grasp of English was as bad as my <laughs> grasp of their foreign their language. You know, <laughs> notably Fanzi and Dusan um, uh, <laughs> but so. <laughs> so I, I no I I mean I, I kind of chatted with him on a, uh, on occasion you know in those days um, as I recall Dundee quite often and he no correct me but quite often I found myself at Care Park was where yeah. was where no, we're right, in the train where the new perform regional performance centre is you know and a couple of times up there you'd have a a, a, a crack with him or as much mm-hmm. as you could given the you know given the uh, the language body one of the things that always surprised me was the number of players that used to uh, enjoy the fag. You know, some of the foreign players were quite keen on a, a cigarette. I'm trying to remember if he was one of them, but um, he was never put up for interview. Um, certainly, I think with the broadcast media because it was it, it was an issue in terms of the language. Yourself, Ian? Yeah, I don't. I, I can remember. I can remember his English being broken English. I also remember his son being with him all the time. Mm-hmm. I think it was Alexander. Um, so he, the, the two of them were always uh, at training. And um, you, you were, of course, you were desperate to do a, a, a Canadian interview, but I think it was just that he wasn't sure about his English. And by the time I think he went on to Rangers, he was absolutely fine. Um, I, I think as well, I think it's worth pointing out that I'll, I'll doff my reporter's cap at this stage to uh, my friend and uh, old Tilly colleague, Tom Duthie, who, mm. who broke the story in the most amazing fashion. I think we'll go into, the, into that in the documentary. Mm. Tom tells his story about how it came about and um, so it, it, it was. It was an amazing time. You never knew what was what was happening next. But you're right. You're standing in Care Park. I mean, I, I'm from that neck of the woods in the city, uh, Mullamains. And to think that you'd be standing uh, <laughs> in Care Park, a place where you'd played as a kid, uh, speaking to or standing next to Claudia Canigia was just incredible. Yes, I mean, did he? He did. He didn't stay in Dundee, did he? Am I right, Graham? Did, did he? Did he live in Edinburgh when he was playing for Dundee? 
He went between the mm-hmm. uh, addresses he was in Edinburgh, but he was also put up uh, at the Hilton Hotel, I think, by Dundee um, for a time. I think Lee Wilkie says in the documentary mm-hmm. that he was able to rack up any bill he wanted yeah. just because he was well, Claudio Canicia. So uh, <laughs> I think they maybe got him out of that hotel pretty quickly after that. There's been a few Dundee and Dundee United players that have racked up ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> hotel bills since. <laughs> Some in the more recent times. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's another podcast. <laughs> that is another podcast indeed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so... He, it was, do Dundee, uh, Dundee fans, I mean, oh, he, he, he made his mark in Scottish football. It was a huge story in Scottish football. Is it, what, what is it that, that sort of secured the myth, if you see what I mean? Because he's, the bare statistics aren't actually that sensational. I think, Jim, you were right. It's mm-hmm. 20, 25 games, eight goals, mm. less than a season. And then he was, uh, then he was off to Rangers. Jim, from your point of view, you know, why is it, is it because it sums up that sort of time when sort of horizon seemed endless for Dundee fans and, you know, it was, and it's, it's kind of never, be, it's the, the, that sort of feelings never returned again and he was the one that kind of summed it up best. Well, is that why you think he's, yeah. he's, he's the sort of myth and the legend? Yeah, I mean, and to, to some extent, I mean, I suppose, you know, you, you, you can, it's all like the, like the old Celtic thing, isn't it? If you know your history, I mean, um, Dundee fans. I mean, my, my dad was one of that generation who went week about to Dens and Tardis, but you know, but, but kind of mainly um, would have favoured Dundee because at that time they, they 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 were the quality side when he was a younger man, you know, and before he stopped going to football. So there were kind of shades of the Billy Steele thing about it, you know, that they were signing a genuine, you know, just as Steele had a an incredible reputation as a top-class football and entertainer when Dundee signed him from, from Derby, you know, to, to sink in easier, but it was arguably in, in world terms, uh, because the game had been then, you know, been long and since a global game. It, it, it was it was a remarkable thing. I mean, he, he was a genuine a genuine legend. You know, there was a, a mythological status to a, a man that played in World Cup finals and scored against Brazil and played by Maradona and, mm. and you know, and the great Argentinian players and, and, and had a, a, you know, had an intriguing club uh, Record as well, and, and you know, you, look, look, look at the side that you lined up with. You know, at, at, at Aberdeen and his, and, and no disrespect to any of the guys there, but you know, likes of Barry Smith and 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 Savo. You know, uh, uh, Stephen Milne, who I think he replaced as I recall in that game. I'm sure mm. Savo went off okay, um, yeah. injured. Big Stephen Tweed and, and 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 things like that. You know, and my suspicion is that not for a moment did these guys ever expect that one day Claudia Canigia, an international <laughs> superstar, would turn up and and, and don the. Blue. So th- th- there was, you know, Peter and Jimmy Marr who who kind of pulled the move off. Who, you know, I think Peter and Jimmy, pro- and particularly Peter, who was the bigger football fan of the two, I think they had kind of, you know, a-, a feeling that they might be able to resuscitate Dundee to the great days when they played to average crowds of twenty five thousand and all the rest of it. We actually quite quickly found out that for not just Dundee but for all Scottish clubs outside of the old firm, those days were actually long gone and couldn't be brought back. But. Um, it was a period of great romance. It ended up in a, a yeah, ended up in a real mess. We know all that financially. The club going into administration, but at the time, you know, when he when he played in that side, I mean, that day you had people like you know, um, well, Ivano played, Harry Artero played. Um, I, I think uh, the big guy Demarkey um, was at the back. You know. He, can he just started on the bench with Mzazi? I mean, whoever thought you'd end up watching a Dundee <laughs> side with Kinesia and Georgie and Mzazi, you know, on the bench? I mean, it was absolutely, it was a thrilling period. And and on reflection, I mean, sometimes you actually had to scratch 
your head. I mean, I mean, going off just momentarily a tangent, I can remember walking down for a derby, interviewing um, live as we went um, Fabrizio Ravinelli. And and there were kids around us like the Pied Piper, and I'm doing this live interview just thinking, this, this is surreal, utterly surreal. It was no less surreal, uh, you know, Claudia Canizia being in that team. So it was, a, it was an incredible and a crazy period in Dundee's history. Ian, and I think you did you did a piece for the for the paper about Dundee's sort of Dundee's greatest sort of, is it is it is it greatest signings yeah. or sort of most uh, the sort of biggest impact? You know what what was the uh, what was the what's what was your uh, what was your criteria for for and Canisia came top. What was your criteria when you you were thinking through these? Well, it's a mix of that, but um, it's it's kind of greatest signings, the most mm-hmm. exciting, thrilling signings. And you know there'll be a lot of I was I was expecting more abuse than I've had uh, for not putting Billy Steele at the top, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think I think I've dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So Canadian got it. Canadian, listen, you're you're talking about a man who played for River Plate, mm. Boca Juniors, Benfica, Roma, <laughs> Atalanta, fifty caps for Argentina. This man is this man was iconic, and for me the link with Maradona. Uh, anyone, you know, playing in the same team as I would say, Jim will maybe disagree, but I would say the greatest player I've seen in my lifetime, I would say it would, would be Maradona. Um, so that for me, that for me pushed him up to the top there. But that was a wonderful experience going through all the all the Dundee signings, mm-hmm. and they're all they're all you know you're, you're maybe comparing apples with pears from from different eras. Um, but I just think I just think for. The sheer, I think I said the showbiz of the whole thing uh, was was Kenji arriving at, I think it was Care Park, or he might have been down at, mm-hmm. you know, the first training session I think was down in Broughty Ferry somewhere. So uh, it's just incredible. Where did uh, where did Jordi Tyser come in? Ian? Was he was he just just miss out in the top ten? Did he? I think I think <laughs> I ran out of paper. I think <laughs> it was, it was a fair bit fair bit down. Okay, okay. that's fair enough. And Graham, the thing that gets maybe a wee bit forgotten mm. in amongst all the the, the the bizarre Dundee signings, the big names, the let's face it, the duds. There was there was there was all manner of signings mm. that people that came left, right, and centre. Mm. The Kinesi one turned out to be a very good business deal, didn't it? I mean, it, it more than washed it more than washed its face because he was he was here for uh, apart from his hotel bill, right enough. That might, <laughs> that might have changed, tip, tip the scales the other way, but you know, on the actual finances of the deal, he arrived. They got a year out of him, and then they got. Am I right? The best part of a million from from Rangers for him. So this this didn't didn't cost them, and it raised the profile and all the rest of it at the mm-hmm. club. So it, it was a it was a very savvy football business deal by by the Mars. I think it was, and Peter says that in the documentary as well. Peter Mar, I mean, he talks about um, Kinija lifting Dundee's profile to the the next level. Um, they were already at that stage looking into kind of the, the merchandise uh, way of things as well, which was saw with fanzy when. He came in, but yeah, I mean, it lifted um, Dundee's profile, put them back on the world football map, probably for the first time since the mid sixties when they were in the European Cup semi final against AC Milan, and it really gave them a, a platform um, as well. And as you say, I mean, the impact of the man—it was an old firm bidding war at the end to actually, um, you know, get his services between Rangers and Celtic. So. That kind of shows the impact that uh, he 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 did have. You know, this wasn't a guy that was here for 
one last payday. You know, he he delivered on the park, and that's why there was that level of interest in his signature at the end. And as you say, you know, Dundee did um, very well um, out of the the deal, and it got people talking about Dundee as well, and probably helped um, for some of the other signings that we saw coming in. Um, you know, later they, they were looking at, well, you know, if it was good enough for Claudio Canigia, then it's uh, good enough for me. And he uh, he did get back in the Argentina team, didn't he? He did. He made it. Um, he actually uh, played in a friendly um, against Wales, um, but that was after he'd uh, signed for, mm-hmm. for Rangers. And then he obviously made it to the 2002 World Cup where he got sent off in the third game, I think, yeah. without uh, playing a, a minute of... Um, <laughs> football but uh, miraculously he could have actually played alongside Messi in the 2010 World Cup um, uh, we spoke about that in the Courier um, this week actually um, Carlos Bellardo the 1986 World Cup winning manager um, had plans to bring him back for South Africa. He was at the age of 43 at that time and uh, he still had pace to burn and Bilardo still thought he could do a job for Argentina and uh, Kenija himself says it was one of his biggest regrets in his career that he actually uh, turned down that chance or it would have been uh, a fourth World Cup which, um, you know, when you think some people were questioning this guy at 33 when he came up Sandyman Street to then have played at 43 in South Africa for the Argentinian national team alongside Messi. Just absolutely incredible. Eric, I mean, it is quite incredible. I remember, as I recall, I think it was the loss of the game to Dunfermline, which was broadcast live in in South America, you know? Um, Visions of kind of people running about in Buenos Aires getting home from the office saying, oh, I must get home, (laughs) Dundee on the telly tonight, you know? Um, I mean, it it was, I mean, it really is 20 years on. I mean, the sad thing is there's a generation of young Dundee, there's a generation of young Scottish fans, irrespective of who you support, that will never, ever see anything like this happening again. I mean, it's almost inconceivable that this sort of thing can happen again. You know, I mean, you, you were talking about a world... Ge- we, we, we abuse the term world-class here as as in other places, but you were genuinely talking about a world-class player. You know, I mean, he was... You know, people like Martin O'Neill raved about him. You know, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was a genuine superstar and it will just simply never happen again. And you know what? We're all privileged to have been part of that, you know, like myself and Ian Graham and all the rest of it, kind of, who were about kicking about as reporters of that. Time. It was quite incredible that it happened, and just just finally, and I mean, it 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 has endured. And Dundee fans, and you you watch the documentary, you'll see the the couple of Dundee fans that are on it. I mean, it just it just brings back so many happy memories for them. And it's like a it's you know yes, it it did go wrong, but that you you just you can't buy that sort of feeling of what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what the limits are. We don't know how. You know how 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 high this team is going to soar. I mean that that for for supporters of clubs like Dundee, Dundee United, St. Johnson, that's just priceless, isn't it? Yeah, it was almost like a, a night out on the champagne, and you you know it was the next day that you, you worried about the hangover. You enjoyed the night. Uh, I, I think I think that's right. Uh, it was a great and and in these days of social media, I mean, it's amazing how many Dundee fans on message boards and on Twitter. It's 33 appears, you know, or, or Claudio this or Canidia this. So for for that for that uh, generation, uh, it was just so special. And how, how do you how do you value um, your time as a football supporter? Well, I'll tell you. You look back on the memories, the special times for United fans. It'll be the European trips, mm-hmm. etc. And for Dundee fans, it'll be that particular 
time when they had Diego's best pal in their team still doing, as Graham rightly says, still producing on the pitch. Anyway, the, uh, that's all. That's all well and good. But the most important question, Graham, who was the uh, who was the most demanding of those Dundee loveys on the on the uh, on the set at Westward Works? I believe there was there was a, was somebody throwing out the red the red jelly beans and stuff like that. For the, you know, was it was it all a wee bit all a wee bit sort of arty for you? No, I mean I've got to say that the uh, set did look like the kind of place that you would take a hostage to interrogate, but. Uh, <laughs> It was, but no, everybody was uh, fantastic and very. I was looking for a radiator to tie them up against. <laughs> no. did, did you, I did, know. But... Did you have to supply them with a green room with the champers and all the rest of it? You know, we know, we know, think, we know that Roach are being a Mullamines boy is partial to the champers. You know. Oh, he was. Yeah, uh, Roach's email invite must have got lost. Same with you, Jim. You know. Oh yeah. Did, did. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> no, no, you, you, they got they got their best side. I have to say, I mean, who was who was doing the makeup and all that sort of stuff? Was, uh, you know, very very professional operation. I have to say. Uh. <laughs> no, brilliant, Graham. It's listen. I would thoroughly recommend it to uh, not just Dundee. I mean, listen, Dundee fans. It's uh, mm. it's it's they will be lapping this up. Trust me, and uh, mm. it's it's a snapshot of a period of, of Scottish football as well. Mm. So it's well worth it. So Canigia the. Kinesia 20 years on, it's called, and it's it's now available to Courier subscribers only. And there is a nice subscriber offer where you can get access to the documentary and full access to the Courier website at a cost of just £3 for a whole three months. And so there's an early Christmas present for you all. So <laughs> it's it's uh, it's out there and it's it's a it's a must, a must see. Thanks again, Graham. And we'll we'll let you go now. I'm sure you've got more important business to, to help selling our newspaper. So <laughs> thank you again. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Right, gentlemen, back to uh, back to more mundane business. A transfer window has just closed. Nobody sound the new Claudio Canizia, I don't mm. think. But uh, Dundee United have six incomings at the end of it, and Ian, I would say you've got they've got to be quite happy with that, haven't they? Yeah, I think they do have to be happy with it. Um, they have added in every kind of area of the pitch, particularly notably uh, up front, Mark uh, McNulty on loan from Reading. It's, um, I think the, the key thing for me is it looks as if he's going to be playing alongside Lauren Shankland mm-hmm. and talking about Shankland, it's always a successful transfer window when he, for United when he's still at Tannadice. So I, I, it could have been a lot, lot worse, couldn't it really? I, I think it's, I think it's okay. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you've, they've, they've signed for every position. Time will tell whether, you know, whether they've uh, upgraded in every position, Indeed. I think we can we can all assume that uh, up front is, is definitely, as you say, definitely definitely looks a, a lot better. Um, we've yet to see the boy Fuchs, but he comes with pedigree, and I think he'll hopefully be the, uh, the sort of creative influence mm-hmm. in the middle of the park that United have been lacking over the last couple of years. Hotty, he's one for the future, we believe. We've already got Bolton's, you know, he's probably, he's he's in credit, I would say, you know, and it's the still question marks about, about Ryan Edwards and about the whole centre half scenario. But Jim, are you, are you your glass half full with the United six? 
Yeah, well, I think I mean you when you're signing, you're always saying you know you're always signing with with two elements in mind. You're signing some for the future. You're signing some for the kind of the 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 mid term, medium future. Uh-huh. But mainly, you're trying to sign for now. You know, uh, and I have to say, if, uh, Fuchs um, comes with you know varying reputation. Sounds as though it could be an intriguing one. But I like McNulty. I mean, he's scored wherever he's been. Um, I, I, and you know the fact that, that it looks as though you're going to have a front two. Now, whether he plays a traditional kind of two and a four-four-two or, or whatever, um, or whether he plays kind of you know one leading the line and one kind of simply playing off him, I don't know. But the key thing is, suddenly you, you've got goals in both of these, you know. So. Um, there have been, I mean, already, of course, they got Bolton already from Man City, and I think he looks a wee star. He's got, he's quick, he's direct, he's aggressive, um, <clears throat> puts ball in the box. I think that, that looks good. Edwards, jury's out on, I suspect. Um, Hotty, don't know enough about him, you know, um, at the moment, but Fuchs, um, I think, you know, as a, um, a Cameroon international, uh, appears to have a, a fair bit about him. But it's the McNulty one, I think, that, that, that you know, that excites me. If you were looking, you know, in as a United fan, I think what you want to see is you want to see, I mean, United have been a bit of a bomb scare at the back in terms of conceding goals. So either you're going to have to tighten that defence up, add to it with people who can, you know, who can tighten it up, or you go down the old Celtic philosophy. If you score three, we'll score four, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, and when you've got McNulty and Shankland up front, to me, by the looks of it, you've got two proven goal scorers. You've got two guys that, that give you goal threat. Now, United have not really had that so far. They've had partnerships, maybe Clark playing up, that'll grab the occasional goal. A Perry, who we've talked about this previously, has dropped out the picture by the looks of it, who wasn't a kind of an out-and-out goal scorer anyhow. But now, mm-hmm. you've got two guys who both are target men. And, and I think that's, you know, that, I think, um, looks very positive. Ian, I mean, Listen, the, it was an absolute nightmare at the back, wasn't it, against yeah. Livingston? And, it, and it, it was watching through the your finger stuff for United fans, and there was a fair bit of uh, I think the I think they call it social media fume afterwards, <laughs> you know, and, and and would have been in the stadium had there had there been fans there. But I mean, I think with and listen, they do obviously need to to sort that out at the back and get a right combination, and you know, just basically tighten up. Uh, but I think the signing of McNulty with a stroke, I mean, providing, you know, providing touch wood, you know, he doesn't get a bad injury or Shanklin doesn't get a bad injury. But I think with one signing, I think you're you're pretty much guaranteeing that United won't be a team that's going to go down. Do you think that's fair? I mean, no, no team with no team with Mark McNulty and Lawrence Shanklin up front. No. Is going to be a relegation problems, is it? No, that no, that's fair comment. Uh, it's enough to balance out the troubles at the back, which are considerable. Um, this uh, they seem to be taking turns at the back to make mistakes, which which isn't good, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, the focus was on Mark Connolly quite rightly because he didn't deal with the ball and he just got in a mess. But there was a fresh air slice, terrible slice from uh, Edwards as well, and the run up to it, and then they kind of seemed to saunter back a bit rather than race back. So that was incredible at that time in the game. Obviously, they can they can work on that and sort it out. I think on paper, the the, the central defenders can do a job, but it's just getting them them playing together as a two. Um, Mark who Reynolds, is your best? Uh, who? I mean, you've seen them all. I think you've pretty much seen every combination as well. Who's your Who's your two? That <laughs> uh, well, hang your hat to, on? to come to come from left field, I think I'd bring Callum Butcher into the mm-hmm. the centre uh, yeah. pair. Yeah. Oh, we're back to that. Yeah, it's amazing how it comes yeah. back to that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Particularly if 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 we like what you know, if United like Fuchs. what they see in, in Fuchs, then we can yeah. maybe afford to play Callum Butcher, who I think when he does go back, suddenly looks a bit of an upgrade, uh, and that's that's maybe a, been a bit 
harsh on the, on the other central defenders. But it just seemed you, you just can't go through the season making errors like this at, at, at key times as well. So listen, I'm being I'm being negative here, but just a few days later, United left the place with uh, the McNulty signing. Now, I did say he, he wouldn't be a, a straight replacement, and obviously Mickey Mellon sees that as well because he's the two of them are going to combine aren't they which is is, is fabulous and I, I, I'll tell you United fans will be so excited to see that they're going to have the two there um, whether Mellon plays at every game obviously you're coming up against the, the old firm and that's a different kind of tactics but you would expect a home game or a, a game against a team maybe around about their area of the league that they'll go with the two yeah but I mean McNulty it's been his first he had two spells at mm-hmm. house didn't he his first Spell was the the I think he got a couple injury or an injury in the second one, but he got himself into the Scotland squad in the first spell, and he, he looked. I I saw one of the games when he, he I think he scored a hat trick McDermott Park. I could I could be wrong with that. It was it was a couple anyway, and he was very very alive. And I also saw him out. It was a shame for him. He he seems a right he seems a right good type as mm-hmm. well. I I was out in San Marino when he was he played for Scotland, and you were you were really. Willing him to, to score, not not just because uh, Scotland were in a bit of a bad way at that point, and it turned out to be McLeish's last game. But you know, he 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 was doing all the right things, and he seemed to be genuinely, absolutely excited to be, you know, and thrilled to be part of the Scotland setup. Um, didn't score that night, but he's listen. <laughs> there is the potential of, of United having two Scotland strikers mm-hmm. up front, and <laughs> here test you on that one, Jim. When I don't know. When, if ever, would you have been able to say that? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a long, long time since since United could, um, you know, could claim to have internationals in and about the place. You know, and you've got another one with Cameroonian coming in in, 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 you know. But in terms of, you know, the guys up front, you've got to go back to the days when you'd Sturricks and Bannons and, and and players like that playing. You know, but I mean, you know, looking at McNulty's um, record, I mean, he scored at Livingston, he scored at, uh, he scored at Sheffield United. I think at Sheffield United was at one in four. He scored, um, he scored at Portsmouth. You know. I mean, everywhere he's he's been, he scored a, a good um, record at Coventry. In the time he, he he was there, you know, not not quite as as, as good uh, at Reading then, of course, out on loan and all the rest, and now on loan to to United. But he's got goals in him, and he's he's got a lot about his game. I mean, <clears throat> I I have to say that I thought he was a a smashing player any time I saw him, you know, uh, and particularly I remember him from his time at Livy, where I thought he was very decent indeed. So you know. United suddenly have up front the the kind of quality that many think they don't have either at the back or in midfield. The addition of Fuchs, of course, the pending seems to come with the name of being a creative type midfielder. That's what they need. I mean, there's no point in the world of having two great strikers if you can't get supply to them. You've got to get quality, uh, you know, you've got to get quality of supply to them and you, you hope that that's what they've got because the biggest issue that United have had in terms of midfield is, is, is insufficient kind of creativity, you know, I mean, the, the, the kind of players that they've had in midfield haven't some, simply haven't been creating enough, you know, not decent enough um, ball into, you know, to feed either Shankland or a Clark or whoever has been, you know, uh, leading the line. Of course, Shankland, we know, just not long back anyway, but you need creativity in there. Um, so if they've added creativity in the middle and if they've added an extra kind of strike, um, you know, strike threat up front, then that to some extent goes a long way towards ironing out the problems they've had um, central defensively, which I don't think are fatal either. You can iron those out. And, and, fr- and frankly, to be honest with you, Eric, the way you iron them out, as you simply say, play your strengths to the central defenders. If your central defenders are not of Barese quality, clear the lines. 
just don't do anything dangerous. Clear the lines. Give the ball as soon as possible to the creative midfielders. Let them do the work. You know. They, uh, I know they, they tend they tend not to they tend not to want to do that though. That's the no, thing. Well, you know, you, you, you know, well, you've got to hammer that into them. I think you know. It's, it's, they, they sometimes they, they sometimes forget that they're not Barisi. I think. <laughs> no, that's a problem. And there's nothing more dangerous than a football playing defender when they're not football playing defenders. Defenders, you know, <laughs> fall into two categories. Mainly they're there to defend, but there are some great defenders, of course, who can you know can defend and pass the ball. 25 yards out of defence like a David Neri could and all the rest of it uh, and if you can get those um, then they're not at your club long they're away to a, a bigger club you know it's as simple as that so clear the lines keep it tight at the back let the, the midfield creators create and let the new guys up front um, along with Shanklin score goals Ian Shanklin it's I almost got to the stage where I, when I, when we got to deadline day I was like thinking, you know because we, we do get a stare we kind of we're you know, you hear if there mm-hmm. if there's anything building up, and there was nothing building up with Shank. I'm, I'm always starting to doubt myself, thinking this is far too quiet. This is it's from a United fans point of view, this is too good to be true. So I was kind of thinking, oh, there's gonna be there's gonna be a bid coming in. It, I find it a bit strange that that there was no no. I mean, there's obviously chat amongst agents and all the rest of it. No formal bid for Lawrence Shank. Why why do you think that is? Because I would have thought. The last thing they were waiting, if you're a club in the English Championship or even a Rangers and Celtic who's thinking, yep, yeah, I, I like Lawrence Shanklin, but we just need to see if he's going to score goals in the in the Premiership. And he does that, and he does that spectacularly with that St. Murn one. Why do you think there are people yet to be persuaded about him? Ah, that's a good question. Um, we could throw in that it's possibly the the whole coronavirus and the threat that it's had to club finances, but there are other players but others being have gone, bought. You know, others have gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there are other players being bought. He, he's still. I mean, it could still happen uh, next time. the The contract's long enough for that to happen, but you're getting towards the stage where I think by the end of this season he would have one left, and you're thinking, you know, would 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 United let it go into that last season? Um, it's funny we did all we worked the long shift on uh, on Monday, and like 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 you, Eric, I'd spoken to uh, Mickey Mellon earlier in the day, and he was adamant. He says absolutely nothing, nothing happening. But there's there's always that bit of you that, that you think it's not that you distrust him. It's just you think you know that things have happened before at the last minute. Um, so right up until midnight, I was uh, I was you know looking and checking and making sure mm-hmm. and then when you get it over the line it's when you it's when it's over the line and you think Shanklin's not been involved in anything here he's been away with Scotland he's maybe not even been speaking to his agent you know and and it is a bit unusual because and I'll tell you why because he's been uh, he's had constant speculation that he is going to leave almost from the day he arrived, and and it's it's unusual that that's been the case. It's been almost like the clock's been ticking for him. How much? How long will United get out of him? Well, you know they're getting they're getting at least until the turn of the year now, and uh, with along with McNulty, you're right. That could be a that could be a combination that keeps them up. That might be his going away present um, for United to get them into a position where they're looking good in the table. But no, you're you're spot on with that. It is, I think, the one player in Scottish football you expected there to be a bid for was uh, him. Yeah, I mean, do you think, Jim, that the that clubs just want to see a, a little bit more, and that if if he gets to say, you know, half a dozen goals before before January, that that's the time mm. that they'll have seen enough. 
and bids will come in. Do you think that could be the case? Well, I mean, the, the problem with a situation like this, uh, Eric, is we can only speculate. You know, it's not even, you know, knowing the, the background information. I mean, had, had there been a bid for him, we would have known about it. You know, it might not have come from United, but, we're so you know, we've all got sources, um, good sources in the Scottish game. We've all got sources down south as well. So we wouldn't have known about it had that happened. So you can only assume there has been no bid. Um, so then you're in the realms of speculation. You know, there, there'll be something in, in it with the money, the current financial structure in the English game um, I mean I, I, I would without being unkind my my suspicion is that um, he's unlikely to go to the Premiership so you're looking then at the Championship and the Championship there are financial issues down there it may well be that it's a combination of financial issues clubs looking and saying okay he's had recent injuries he's scored goals but he's been scoring goals at a lower level in Scottish football all of these things the one thing that I think we can say is not you know there's been constant speculation, but none of none of it has been from the the lad himself. I mean he's not been nothing but a no, good, no, he's been a solid, pro. honest yeah. professional, consummate professional. He's he's got on with the business even when he was injured. Um, he has never ever stirred the pot. He's never uh, you know suggested publicly he's looking for a move. So he's been an absolutely top class professional. Uh, oh, in he everything seems he's, he's done. Genuinely happy at United, isn't he? Yeah, there's no, there's um, no two uh, ways about it. No, absolutely. But what I would say now is all of the cards are now all you know the deck is now stacked firmly in his favour. I think he's he's got a year a year to go after the season, Ian. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah that's right. Another. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so you know, so he's not going now. The January window, um, you know, should he should he be scoring goals at a regular level? And depending on how United are doing, that that would indicate maybe whether he wants to leave. What level of interest, if any, there is in him then? The January window, I think, is a horrible one for clubs because you tend to buy. You tend to panic by you panic by people who've got injury issues, you know, various other issues, or or, or you throw money at a problem because it's looking as though you're going down south. Now, of course, what none of us know at the moment is what effect the coronavirus is going to have on football. So, you know, where does at one time in a normal football environment, you might have said, you know what, um, if he's scoring goals for fun, there's a couple of biggish English clubs down south in the championship really struggling. You could see United getting a crazy bid for him. That world for the moment um, is is gone, but um, but the cards are still stacked in his favour. He's on very good money at Tannadice. He's got a year and a bit of his contract to go. Um, pretty much, I think it'll be up to him to decide, you know, uh, what his next move will be, assuming that there's reasonable interest and there's something that comes to interest him. Yeah, it's intriguing. Well, St Johnston got their uh, they got their striker on board. He'll be he's. Quarantining for a wee while before he can actually he can actually play. So I think uh, it'll not be it'll not be Hamilton next weekend that he'll be available for. Probably Dundee United the, the weekend after. Guy, I'm assuming it's Guy. Mm-hmm. It could be Guy, but I think it's Guy Melamed. I thought it was int- it's intriguing. Uh, Callum Davidson gave a a good quote, and he said he was he was swithering whether to go for. I mean, he knew we all know that he needs he needs a striker to. To, to change things up and just sort of change the dynamic of the team, but he was he was swithering between us, basically a big unit that will uh, maybe not have the finesse and the go- the goal scoring instincts, but could bring other could get St Johnson up the pitch, bring other uh, well, I mean they're getting up mm-hmm. the pitch anyway, but bring make the ball stick, you know, bring other bring other players into the game, uh, maybe get a couple of goals himself. He was swithering between that and uh, a penalty box. Predator and somebody a real live wire that's going to be that's going to get goals in his own right, and he went for he went for the latter. And you know these mm-hmm. are always sort of you can't really judge these uh, YouTube highlight reels, but the 
the lad looks like he can strike a ball, that's for sure. There's some volleys, there's all sorts of type of you know, strikes in there. He's gone for he's gone for the latter. Are you do you think he's done the right thing? Um I, I suspect he had no other option. I know what you're saying there, you know, he, he's thinking about what his options are, but what United need sorry, what does St Johnson need now? We've just talked about what United needed an addition. Um at least they had a man that was scoring goals. What Saints need um is half of what United need. They need somebody that is a you know that's a penalty box predator or, or who can score from from outside, but they need somebody who's prepared to have a bang at target, somebody who's got a kind of a bit of aggression, a bit of drive, a bit of devilment in them. Um, and they're badly needing it, Eric. I mean, the goal, you know, the goals for again, 10 games and having scored four, I mean, it's by a mile the worst um, the worst in the Premiership. And, and you know, the, the problem for Saints, we, we've documented it well on this, we're playing a lot of good stuff, you know, tidy in possession and all the rest of it, but just not, I mean, it's not a case of not taking chances, not creating chances. You know, kind of half chances here and there, headers nicking over a bar or hitting a bar or something like that. But they need somebody. Conway's was a shocker, though, wasn't it? I mean, Conway's yeah, nah, was nah, a shocker. Nah, I mean, that's why? right. I mean, I'm, what's nah, he thinking? I mean, get it yeah. back across the, the goalie. Cut I mean, him back. Why are you Cut going up near post right. for that? Honestly, right. and I'm a Conway fan, you know. But oh no, he had a good yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Con- Conway's not an out-and-out striker. No, he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. not. But not an out-and-out striker, you know. Um, so, but uh, so if you're looking at guys that can that can put the ball in the net, I think you've got to go for someone who has a kind of has done it. And uh, by the sound of it, I've listened to some of his stuff, and he sounds very confident in himself. Now that's great. I mean, yeah. I, I like to hear a player who's confident. It's obviously got to be backed up on the park. And I agree with you. The showreel from YouTube isn't always the you know because people you know you get three or four what look like spectators spectacular goals, but can they do it over a period? Can they do it at St. Johnson level? I mean, at St. Johnson level, what you're looking for, a guy would hit kind of 10 goals a season would be a star for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can he do that? And how how might his impact then impact on others? Might it encourage others to have a go, to up their game that, that wee bit? Because confidence, I think, must be very low. There's, there, there's nothing. Builds confidence like winning, it's a cliche, and there's nothing destroys it like losing and not winning. Stevie May was very good. I, I mean, I, I think Stevie May is ready to to come to the boil again. I thought he was very good against Celtic, and you know if he's got if he's got somebody with him, I think that could, mm-hmm. he, all of a sudden he could he could take off. But I mean, it was another game. It, we'll not go back over that because by the time people listen to mm-hmm. this, Saints will have played uh, they'll have played Kelty Hearts mm-hmm. and we're kind of in a Betfred Cup mode. But you know, it it was another of those stories. And Ian, they're they're going with a. I mean, St. Johnson have always traditionally gone with a smaller squad than most. Mm-hmm. They're going to be running with until January. Pretty much 18 is going to be the, I mean, and, you know, with the five substitutes rule, which I, which I absolutely loathe. And I think Saints suffered with it again, as they did against Aberdeen, against Celtic there, you know, when, when Celtic were able to load the pitch with second half subs. But that's another that's another ah, discussion. Mm-hmm. But the 18, 18 men, including two goalies, that's that's tight, isn't it? That is very tight, and you worry about injuries, obviously. But uh, you know we've got to respect Callum and his his decisions here. Yeah, I know you don't want to go back on the Celtic game, but it is a slap on the face to see Lee Griffiths come on and score with a fabulous header like that. And you just you just think that's exactly what what Saints would need. So hopefully we can oh, he was get it from. Superb, actually. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. Superb. His movement was fabulous, wasn't it? It's great for a neutral to see to see him back like that. Um, Hopefully, Melamed. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because f- for weeks we've looked and seen the, the, the target man. But you've got you've got to trust the manager. You've got to give it a go and see how the blend is in the team. And and Eric, I hope you're right with uh, Stevie May. That'll be great. Suddenly you've got him. Suddenly you've got 
um, uh, Guy or Guy as well alongside them. So it, it could they're, they're absolutely desperate for it. It doesn't look to me as as a I know Jim's saying he might have had no option, but they must have done their research on him. Somebody who's played in, in Israel all his career. Um, there must be something there that they think they think, yeah, that this is worth it. This is worth the investment here. So we'll trust trust uh, Calm Davidson and uh, we'll see how it how it goes. Fingers crossed for the weeks ahead. But it's very, very going back to it's very tight for the squad. But maybe that's maybe that's what other clubs should There's be. There's pluses doing. to that. There is pluses to that. There are I mean providing you don't get two or three bad injuries, but I was sitting at Tanadice uh uh on, on Friday night. Now United have got a cast of thousands right enough sometimes. You you see oh. all these people and you think oh, on and off the pitch. Fit in, yeah. <laughs> but Livingston, Livingston had dozens of players on the pitch. Uh, and to me, uh, I was sitting going, it's just too much. Clubs are running too much. So maybe Saints have got a spot on. Yeah, and it is, I mean, it is only three months to the next window. Um, so it's it's a bit different to a normal year. And there, 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 are, there are pluses to having a, you know, t- unless you get an injury crisis, there are pluses to having a sort of a, t- a tight squad where they're all in with a chance of playing. Well, uh, on the negative side, um, a lot of damage could be done in three months. You could be dead and buried in three months, you know, if you're not scoring goals and you're conceding them. Um, so that's the negative side. Uh, I mean, I think they've lost from from the, the bench against uh, Celtic. Uh, Alafi, he's gone back and Robertson's yeah, gone, gone out. Is that right? Wall. Yeah. Robertson's so, gone out to four. Five, yeah. So, so effectively, it looks like you're going to be around. Now, you know, are they running with that 18-man squad because the manager's happy? Is it because the chairman or the new CEO wants to trim it down, trim the wage bill or, 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 or keep the wage bill fairly steady. It'd probably be a combination of all of these things. I, I'm in many respects in favour of a tight squad. Um, it's a balance of risks. You balance the risk of uh, injury, mainly, loss of form, um, and loss, loss of form is an intangible thing. I mean, loss of form can come come as quickly as it's gone. You know, injuries are different kettle of fish. You can lose a player for a month, a week, you know, a, a, a day, whatever. But I mean, th- there are intangibles built into that. But I, I, in many respects, to keep a tight group of players together, who and we've seen how it can work over the years. Dundee United, I mean, it's oft, often exaggerated that they won the league with thirteen, they didn't, but they won it with still a fairly tight squad, you know. Um, so I mean, I, th- I think there can be much to commend the idea of a tight squad that are they have that kind of great kind of camaraderie, that band of brothers um, element about them, but it's also not without risk. And 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 if it all goes horribly pear-shaped, if Saints continue not to score goals and to hug the bottom of the table, by the time you get to January, um, you, you could be looking at making half a dozen signings to try and get you out of that. And, and I doubt that Saints are not the type of club, I suspect, to do that. So this is, this is a calculated... Risk, I think, to run with the smaller squad, uh, and only the only the coming weeks will tell whether or not um, it works with the addition of the Israeli striker. Osman South to Dundee, Ian. Uh, the way I pay as you play, I gather that <laughs> seems like a, a a fairly sensible. I think that I think there's there's a lot to commend that deal. I think Osman South, if because it is, I mean, that's the thing. It's such a big if. Can he can he stay fit? And so the. We're just talking about sort of risk and reward there. The the Dundee have minimised the risk with it and the potential reward of of the Os- I know we're going back a while now, but of the Osman Sow, not the one that United got, but of the one that Hearts got, the potential reward for Dundee is very high, isn't it? Yeah, hats off to whoever's come up with this uh, deal for him because, uh, as you say, what is there to lose? Uh, if he plays, great, give him his... Give him his salary, even a bonus. 
um, if he's if he picks up an injury, and he has been injury prone over his career, uh, <laughs> goes without saying. Uh, then, then you're not losing anything. So it, it, it makes absolute sense. And you wonder if this is a precursor to to, to more deals like this in Scottish football. Uh, it does take me back to kind of to the you know the old football comic books almost. The, <laughs> a player turns up on that day and gets a game and scores the goal and and, and he gets paid for it and then he's away again. You know, so uh, like a like a drops in for for one match. So uh, it, it makes total sense. And I think I think. Congratulations to to Dundee for coming up with with uh, quite an imaginative uh, package mm-hmm. for for Osman. So, oh, not this, not for the first time. They kind of they told they, they told us that I think the, the word James McPake used for for uh, Charlie Adam was creative, wasn't it? They mm. got creative with that one, and they've got they've got creative again. So, Osman so it's it's there's yeah. If, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. He's got other he's got other strikers there, so it's not as if they're. Absolutely mm-hmm. hanging their hat on him, Jim. No, he, he, I mean, he's been one of these peripatetic players, isn't he? I mean, what, he's 30 now, I think, you know. Um, and I, I think Ian's absolutely spot on. The paper play is the only way I think that you would you would um, <clears throat> take the risk uh, on this one. If they get, uh, as Ian put it, if they get the hearts, Osmond, so then they're getting a guy who, I mean, I think he, he, he wasn't far off um, a goal every second game, maybe just under that, uh, with hearts. Physical presence, strong, you know, in the parlance, takes it into feet, can hold it up, bring other people into play. Um, uh, you know, a strong character with real goal threat. Uh, the problem is um, th- there's been no real subsequent sign of that for him since he left Hearts back in, what, he's f- four years away from Hearts now, I think, you know. Um, we spell at United. Uh, uh, it, you know, personally, my view of him is I think the, the, the show that I remember from Hearts um, is, is a dangerous show, and so if you'll per- forgive that, you know, that uh, Attempt at a pun, um, but um, <laughs> you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think the only way you would risk it is the way Dundee are doing it, and that is on the paper play basis. I, I just got a sneaky feeling this is a move that will not work. Oh well, there we go. I was, as always, we sorry to be as cheery on that one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I should have cut you short with your attempt. We could go for Canadia if uh, so does deal does not work out. We go for Claudio. We started with Canadia and ended up with a huge bucket of cold water for Dundee fans. There you go. Hope, hope you didn't listen to the end, but if you did, another wee push, another wee push for the documentary. It's uh, you can find it at uh, thecourier.co.uk forward slash Canadia. Thank you very much again for listening. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find talking football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.